0: We are an epicenter in somebody's bullseye, and we cannot play a game anymore. We must pray. We must be people that pray as Jesus did. The people of the epicenter,
1: Israel and her neighbors, need our help, and we must do all we can to bless and assist them in any way we can. We must come to learn the importance of praying for Israel, giving to Israel, and even going to Israel when we have the opportunity. What mark do you bear for Jesus? What burden do you carry for Jesus? And how can you bless the people of Israel? Listen to this episode to find out. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, executive director of the Joshua Fund, and today, we hear from Mike McIntosh as he speaks about the people of the epicenter and how we can bless them. I know you'll enjoy it. Here's today's episode.
0: A have bit of red letter edition. These are words after Jesus raised from the dead. And this is something you are all going to face, is death. But Jesus said this, Do not be afraid... I am the first and the last, and I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I live forevermore. Amen. I have the keys to hell and of death. So write the things which you have seen, the things which are happening right now, and the things which will take place after this. I spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe in the 70s while we were expanding the churches through San Diego. And I learned very quickly that Christianity is somewhat boxed and packaged as an entertainment vibe in America. And it became very obvious to me that most Christians, though I was somewhat of a young Christian at that time, uh, had no clue of the price that Christians around the world were paying in Czechoslovakia, in Poland, Hungary, East Germany, China. And to meet with some of these Christian people was very, very profound and had a very instrumental impact on my Christian life. I met a man in the northern part of Burma that had walked for two weeks through China and the mountains to come and to meet us and to receive some Bibles that we had. And as I sat in this hut that was built maybe to hold 15 people but had 30 people just crunched in that were Christians and they were seeing this relative. They knew that had been in prison many times. I could not take my eyes off of the scar that was on the uh, cheekbone came all the way down to the end of his uh, jaw. And I just waited because I was the junior person in the group and I had one Gideon Bible in my pocket. And we'd given him just a a couple hundred Bibles and encouraged him because at that time we were on a project to get a million Bibles into China. And when I heard this phenomenal story of his life and what Jesus was doing, I asked him about that scar. It was almost like uh, this man just said. He preached Jesus so much that they would arrest him and put him in jail. And in this one situation, he led everybody in this cell block to the Lord and the guards, and they moved him to another cell block. And he led all those people to the Lord. And so finally, after two or three, this is just one prison internment. After two or three internments, they said, we're going to let you go. But we're taking you to your village, and you will stand on a box, and you will tell everybody that the Bible's a lie and that Jesus is not real. And we will let you go for good. And he got in the city square, and he stood on the box, and he said, Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and there's no other way to get to heaven but by him, and the Bible is real, and you need to read it. And after that, the soldiers threw him to the ground, beat him, and one rifle butt split his face open. Now, um, when I heard that, I thought, I don't know that I could do that. And I said, I have one Bible for you, but I just want to hand this one personally and look into your eyes. I want to know if you're real. And he pulled on the Bible, and I pulled it back. And I realized that he was real. He asked me a question. Now think of this. I've come all the way from San Diego, and I'm in the jungles of Burma, and this man that's got a scar that covers half his face says to me, is it true that in America the young people have problems with drugs? This is 1978. I said, he's asking me, and I said, of all people to ask, I said, "Yes, yeah, sir, it is true. Would you take a message back to the young people of America? And I said, well, I can't talk to them all, but I'll, t- I'll tell whatever ones I can, what is it? Would you tell them that the young people that are Christians in China are praying for them and their drug problems? That's when I came back and started the School of Evangelism in San Diego. I began to realize, like I did just a few weeks ago when I was in the Middle East and some Middle Eastern countries, that America was left behind in the geopolitical process. As a country, we have indulged ourselves so much that we have offended God. We have slapped God in the face, we have spit on him, we have turned our back upon him. I love Israel, I love the whole world, because he died for the whole world. But you know, you and I have a great responsibility to the city of San Diego, and to this county, and to our own country. And we need to, you know, physician heal thyself. And as a church, there were so many churches that just didn't want to get involved here. We stepped out we didn't have any money when we said we'll rent this and put up whatever it's going to take to put it up. I want to encourage you. Things are not what they appear to be. They aren't. And we're a target city. We are an epicenter in somebody's bullseye. And we cannot play a game anymore. We must pray. We must be people that pray as Jesus did. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, He walked back to his friends that were the closest to him. He said, what, can't you watch and pray for just one hour? And all of us that are represented here that do go to a church, we would have to admit to get one hour of prayer in as a church is difficult, let alone for one Christian person. So I'd like to encourage you to pray for Israel. That God would work. There is nothing special about them other than God has chosen them. But they are a microcosm or a metaphor of what you and I must go through because of this enemy death. And Jesus represents all the suffering of mankind, but he is the whole completion of Israel from Abraham on that it would suffer.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. Our verse of the day today is found in Psalm 122, verses 6 through 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray they may be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. And our prayer requests today are, number one, pray that more people become aware of the need and significance of praying for Israel. And second, pray that God provides more resources and opens doors for ministry and gospel work in Israel and the Middle East.
0: And Zacharias says, not this Father Zacharias, but the real Zacharias, the Old Testament Zacharias, he says this, that Jerusalem will be surrounded on all sides by its enemies. That means no one in the world will stand with her. We are at a place as a people that we are so weak, we have given up our freedoms that we've had and held so dearly without even voicing ourselves other than some right-wing conservative radio talk show host. That's all that has really spoken about our freedoms. But the issue is beyond our freedoms or just being Americans. It is really eternal life and we're all gonna die on this beautiful sunny day being a police chaplain I know there have been some motorcycle deaths and I have only been one life for our community I served on a very special team an air disaster team for the Red Cross and we were to respond by a resolution from Congress to any air incident when Egypt air went down The rule of thumb is for every person that dies, 10 people will come to that site that want to see where their loved one died. 250 people died, 2,500 people came off of Boston to grieve. Congress had given a resolution that every American citizen has the right to spiritual care if they are injured in a plane crash or a loved one of theirs has died in a plane crash. So, uh, 26 people were handpicked. I happened to be on that first group of people. And out of a selfish reason that I didn't, I've traveled so much, I didn't want to be where it was raining, snowing, sleeting, icing, or cold, I chose September that would be good weather everywhere. My beeper went off at 6 in the morning, September 11th, 2001. Our team of eight were first responders from Washington, D.C. And for two weeks straight, we broke every rule that we were trained don't go more than eight hours a day. We worked 18 and 20 hours a day. Our briefing started at 6 in the morning. We usually got to bed at 1 or 2 the next day. And I stood many times at the morgue where it started with just two trailers and went to 40 refrigerated trailers for the body parts and the torsos. And then we were responsible for the spiritual care in an arena like this, the National Guard arena. And the statistics as they look back at 9-11 is eight out of every 10 people wanted spiritual care over mental health. 80% of the grieving people that were related to somebody that died wanted spiritual care over mental health. The first thing I did was come back to San Diego and have the president of the Red Cross meet with us and we gave him a $5,000 check to support the Red Cross and from that time on we began training chaplains and San Diego has the largest spiritual care unit in the American Red Cross 24 hours a day, any incident where there's a fire or an injury, a minister is sent to that home. For the first time ever, 9-11 was a seed that dropped to the ground and died. There is a full-time minister, a chaplain, Joe Davis, for the medical examiner's office. The San Diego Police Department, God has blessed us through Bill Collender. There are 28 police chaplains. When he became the sheriff, he asked if we could help him. There are 28 sheriff's chaplains. Most every fire department, police department, and first responder units in your city and county have spiritual care ready to go for your family if something horrible happens here. Now, if everyone would just do what Joel has asked to pray for Israel and then throw in prayer for your family in San Diego, God would really bless. And if you would learn, as Joel said, just learn about your community and see how bad the borders are. See how bad the methamphetamine is. See how weak the church is. See why people aren't on fire, that the end is here, and enthused about that, but not doing anything about that. But you learn about Israel. You can get so much information from, you know, their council at Beverly Hills, or you can just go on the internet and read about it. But you can give. You can give of yourself. Uh, they're not looking for missionaries to come over. Quite the opposite. But you can give to organizations and to their own situations. I know that when the Russians started releasing the Jews, I saw in the Bible that God said that he would say to the north, let my people go. And it was very obvious that Ezekiel was talking about when Israel said Jews can now come. And when Mr. Brezhnev said, I will release them, that was a miracle. So we would send money from San Diego to support those people that came without a toothbrush or deodorant or a bath towel or a sheet. There's so much you can do. You can do for them, and what I love about Joel, and the only reason I'm standing on this stage today, is that it's Israel and her neighbors. God so loved the world, everyone. And ladies and gentlemen, that love is so powerful that no matter what issue you are facing today, or you're hiding from, or you're running from, or you're trying to cover up, the Lord Jesus and Zechariah is standing there so humble when this thing is all over, and the Jews say to him, say, where did you get those wounds in your hands? And very gently he says, in the house of my brothers. You know, if it's me and I'm hanging on the cross, I'm going to say, Father, nuke him. (laughs) But he says, Father, forgive him. And so no greater love has any man than this. He'll lay his life down. Now we've been honored twice in the last few months to have William Boykin in San Diego. Jerry to his friends, general to me. You know, here's a man that's got purple hearts. When you read his story, and I heard every one of his books sold, and you hear about the 50 caliber round in Grenada that went through his leg and ripped off his shoulder, basically, his arm, and now you see him moving his arm, that's a miracle. With a friend of President Reagan's, I left San Diego, and I stood on Grand Ann's Beach, And there was still sniper fire in the area. And with 500 people from San Diego, with the Prime Minister's blessing of Grenada, we were able to fill their two stadiums in Grenada. We were able to go and to give and to start a reading center for the children who didn't know how to read, to start an orphanage, to start a church, and to minister. You can go. I was going to tell you that we're gonna have a tour to Israel, but Joel just got up and took all the money out of the room and said he's doing a tour to Israel so then at lunchtime, Roger Hedgecock said I'm going to do a tour to Israel he was here so I, I'm just going to watch on a video I guess, I don't know <laughs> but I'm glad Chuck Smith didn't say he's going to go to vid- Israel because nobody would go so maybe some of you would like to go to Israel and if you sign up with me you will be more spiritual <laughs> alright yeah I just want to say, San Diego, for some reason, God has shed his grace on you. I've watched from 10 people in the living room from driving 200 miles every week. Those 10 people turn into maybe 80 to 80,000 to 100,000 people meeting in 40 different locations around the county. I've seen God do things in this county that are unbelievable. I would like to honor my friend, Bill Colander, who will be the first to tell you that he's Jewish. And the first time I met him, when I became a reserve police officer and I was standing with him in his office, I don't want any of that blood of the lamb. I don't want any of that blankety-blank Jesus Christ stuff. I want nothing about the Bible. You would leave that out of it, Reverend. <laughs> and the other day, he said, you're one of the few people on my list that I want to tell before I release it, that I'm going to retire. You know, that Jewish man, has opened more doors for the gospel than most ministers in San Diego. He has made it available for Jesus to go through all law enforcement and all emergency response and to the grand jury and to the Office of Emergency Management that you now have a minister, a chaplain, any incident, be it the San Andreas earthquake or be it fires again, in the headquarters, At the control center, there is a chaplain in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ sitting, ordained by the county supervisors to have a say in spiritual care for the people of this county. You are a blessed people.
1: After listening to this episode, I hope you're now familiar with how you can help bless the people in the center of God's plan, Israel and her neighbors. If you've found this podcast valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Are you someone searching for Jesus? Here's where you can find him. Do you wanna talk about something else on the show? Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? Go to joshuafund.com and click on Contact Us. Your feedback is incredibly important and valuable as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on the podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the Joshua Fund Ministry team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg.
2: Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund, and I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you, on behalf of our entire board and staff, to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways. There's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly, because I think this thing is gonna fill up fast. The prayer and vision tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there.
0: This, this is my skyship dreamer.
1: My cargo is stories and our destination
2: dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.